You know, here we are on January the 1st, New Year. Many of you have probably already made your resolutions. Many of you have probably already broken your resolutions. I mean, how many, I remember last year I was like, I'm going to lose at least 15 pounds. That's my resolution. And um, I'm happy to tell you guys, I got about 25 more pounds to go, and I'm going to make that resolution. But we're, we're here in, in this, this time of, of the new year where people talk about resolutions and gym memberships that are all-time high and promises are made to self and to other people that I'm, I'm going to be a better me this year. And then at some point, it just falls by the wayside. But we're in that season of talking about what's new and what is fresh. And can I tell you that what God wants to do in our lives every day, not just on January 1st, He wants to do something that is fresh and something that is new. Because we serve a God that is a God of new. He may be the same, but he is still a God of new. And I want to talk to you about that subject this morning of newness, of, of how God can do new things in your life and how God can do new things in our church. Back last year in October or November or some point in the end of the year last year, I, I went up to Tennessee for a prayer retreat with, with our um, our, our network, our Ignite network, who, who helps oversee our church, and uh, we did this half day of prayer, and I thought to myself, um, I don't think I've ever prayed for a half a day, like constantly praying for half a day. Uh, we got up early in the morning, it was six o'clock, we drove all the way to Tennessee, we got there, we had about five minutes to get our stuff in our room before we had to go to the first session, and they said, listen, we're going to do a half day of prayer, and I said, I don't think you understand. I've been driving for the past six hours. And if there's any prayer going to be happening, it's probably going to be God talking to me, and I'm probably going to be asleep, because I don't know how to do this. And they gave us some parameters on, and, hey, this is the most powerful thing that you'll ever do in your life. And so they gave some parameters, and I, I grabbed my Bible, and I couldn't have a watch on. We couldn't have to take all the clocks that were around us away. We couldn't have anything digital. It was, you have a Bible and a piece of paper, ask God what he wants to tell you. And I was like, man, I hope God's long-winded today. I hope he's got a lot to say because if not, this is going to be the longest time of my life. And I grabbed a cup of coffee and I sat in this little corner uh, table surrounded by the windows and the mountains are in the background. It was very um, picturesque. It was a beautiful sight. And I'm sitting there and I just asked God, what do you want to say? What is it? And I listed five things that were stressing me out because I figured that was probably a really good place to start because, you know, there's five things that are stressing me out. I had ten, but I cut it to five. And then I prioritized those things of what was really stressing me out to my top three. And the Spirit began to speak into that. And I'll tell you, in that moment of time of just with the Lord, it was, it was a standard meeting with Him where He was the one doing all the talking. And I, I began asking Him, what, what is it that you have for me? What do, you, what do you have for me? What do you have for our church? And I believe God gave me a word that day. And he brought me to Isaiah chapter 43, which is a verse that I have, I've run through multiple times over the last few years since we've begun this journey together here at Together Church. But there's some promises that God makes in Isaiah chapter 43. And, and I want to give you just a little insight to some of that, that prayer time of what God had to say to me, but ultimately what I think God has to say to us. But I think God wants us to be a people that walk in new things. But so often we get tied up in the old thing 
that we can't even get out of the old thing, that we miss the new thing that God is trying to do. Because we get trapped in our past hurts, we get trapped in, in our past. This is the way that it's always been done. Anybody? It's the way we've always done it. And when we get stuck in, in those molds of this is how it always has been, we get stuck in the old and we miss out on what God wants to do. He, he talks about creating new wineskins. But a lot of times the reason that we don't see the growth in our life that we're expecting, we don't see the growth in the church that we're expecting is because we're still depending on the old thing instead of looking for God to do the new thing. Because God's a God of new. And he wants us to walk in new. I love the smell of new. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You get the new car, you open the door, and that smell's there. Like, we've even tried to recapture that. You can go to AutoZone or, or any of the part stores, and you can get new car smell tags to put in your car to continue. My favorite new smell is when that orange Nike box hits my table, and I open it, and it's just this beautiful smell of heaven. I mean, heaven's going to smell like the inside of a Nike box. But putting on a brand new pair of shoes and walking in shoes and you feel confident in your new shoes, you, you want everybody to notice your new shoes, you won't want anybody to scuff your new shoes. Maybe that's just me being a diva, but that, that's, I like to walk in new things. And God wants us to walk in new things. And, and in Isaiah chapter 43, what we're going to see is he's a God of new. He's a God of new. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, but forget all that. Say that. But, for, but what? Forget. That's a key word. We're going to come back to that. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I, I will make pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. He said the wild animals in the field... They'll thank me. And he says the jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Even the animals in his creation will be appreciative of what he has done. He says, yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be, what's that word? Refreshed. And I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. So the question is, how, how does God do the new in my life? How does he do the new things in our church? And the number one thing I would tell you, he says right here in the very beginning, forget about it. You got to forget about it. In your best New York voice, say that. Ready? One, two, three. We're all Southern in this place right here. He says, forget it all. Forget all that stuff. Forget it. Why? Because it is nothing compared to what I'm about to do. It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. And, he, and he's, Isaiah is writing this, and the very first thing he says, you guys here, you have some hang-ups and some habits and some problems in your past, and what's happening is you need to forget all that because you're so trapped in what was that you're missing what is and what will be. He says, so you got, you got to forget all that. You, you remember that he is prophesizing, prophesying to Israel who is in captivity. And he's telling them, you got to forget about all the old stuff. Like God, even in the midst of what they're going through, he's saying God is trying to do something new here. He said, and you got to forget it all because it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. How would you like to see God just have an overflow of revival right here in our community? Because, let me tell you something. It can happen. You know what the missing piece is? Obedient people doing what God's called them to do. 
We could literally change the community by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus and living it out because there's a lot of people that are a lot of talk and zero walk. And we've been called to walk this out. And he says, you have some junk in your past. You have some problems in your past. And in order to get in touch with your future, you cannot live in your past. A lot of times we, we allow our past to keep us captive from what can be. Well, I can't do that because. I would do that, but. Can I just tell you, the past is a great place for you to learn. It's a terrible place for you to live. We got to start looking at life and our past as a rearview mirror. There's a reason that the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield. Because the windshield is made for us to constantly stare out of. If you're constantly staring in the rearview mirror, your insurance premiums are going to be going up. You know what I mean? You're going to hit everything in your path. The reason it's so small is because in the rear view, we just glance at what was and we continue looking towards what is. And that's the way life is. And that's what Isaiah is saying here is, you got to forget all that. Glance at what was, but gaze at what is. Your situation that you might be in right now, the heartache, the pains, the disappointments that maybe you're facing, you need to look in the rearview mirror and glance at it, but God's got something out in front of you. Because he's a God that wants to do more than what you could ever ask or imagine. So my question is, what's, what's he doing in your heart? What, what new things is he doing in your heart? What have you revived in your life? What, what is God trying to bring back to life that you have allowed to put to death because of every excuse of what was instead of what is? So I asked the question too, like what, what is God going to do in your life this year? Maybe a better question is what, what are you going to be obedient to to allow him to do in your life this year so that he can get glory and draw all people to himself? I would tell you, don't live in the past. The, the, the prophet challenges Israel. He says, forget those former things. Forget those. Forget the former things. There are some things that you have to let go of. There's some past, listen, there's some past victories that you've got to let go of. Some things that you accomplished in life and thought, man, life's great. You've got to let some of those things go too in order for you to continue moving forward. You've got to let go of your failures. Because it's really hard to take hold of what God has when we won't let go of what is. That, we, that we, we're so constant of just holding a death-tight grip on things instead of just open surrender. Because it's in that moment of surrender that we let go, we feel like we have no control. And guess what? In the hands of God, we need no control. He's the Father who has it all under control. So every day with God is new. Every day. We've got to get out of this place of complacency where we get so comfortable in what is that I'm so scared of what, what is out here and what God has for me. And it is. It is scary about stepping into what God's will is. Because you never know what it's going to be. But when we take up our cross, as Jesus said, you want to follow me, you take up your cross. There, there's some suffering in that. There's some surrender, there's some humility in that. So he says, forget it all. Forget all those things. For I am already doing something new out in front of you. So forget about it. Also anticipate it. Anticipation. If you're expecting God to do something amazing in your life, you have to anticipate what is to come. Like, 
when you go to your favorite restaurant, you anticipate that the food's going to be good. You go see your favorite music artist. We went to a concert this week, and I was anticipating, and we're, this is going to be the greatest concert you guys have ever been to in your life. Promise. It's great. This guy's amazing. And we get to the venue. I couldn't even see the guy because of where we were. It was awful placement. It was packed, and I couldn't even hear the music because the audio was bad. My, ante- my anticipation like, went down real quick. I felt like, man, I have, these, they will never trust my judgment again on another concert. You anticipate. We anticipate things happen. We anticipate good things. I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but some of you were anticipating an outcome of a football game yesterday. It didn't happen. Maybe it was this week. It didn't happen. Talking about UCF. University of Central Florida, the national champions. But if you're expecting something amazing, you've got to anticipate. And look what he says. He says, forget all those things. It is nothing compared to what I'm about to do. For I'm about to do something. And what's that word? New. That's an invitation there. Do you want what's new or do you want what's old? You want me to give you an old car or you want me to give you a new car? Because the new is more dependable. New has more value. And it has that new car smell. And he says, I'm about to do something new. He's saying, God, God is saying that there is something better out there. There's something better out there. And it's just a simple pursuit of being in his presence and knowing who he is. It's the newness that he wants to do in our lives, in our, in our families, in, in our jobs. That he said there's this, there's this new, and all this new, by the way, is not new for you to have better blessings and look at my life and all these things that I have, but it's new for you because it's what God is doing for you to say, look what God has done in my life. Because if the blessings aren't pouring towards him, they're not blessings. We may think they are, but they're not going to be blessings. They're going to be idols that we're holding on to. And you can have idols or you can have blessings. The blessing is saying, look what God did. The idol is saying, look what I got. So the, the Israelites here, they're, they're living in captivity. And they're saying, they're, they're hearing these words. And, they're, and they're, I can imagine the pushback of saying, we, we don't have ever anything to look forward to. Isaiah, you, you, you realize we're in captivity. What are we to look forward to? Because tomorrow we're going to wake up and we're going to do exactly what they tell us to do. And we're going to go to bed. And we're going to wake up the next day. And we're going to do exactly what they told us to do. And we're going to just keep living out the same doldrum of life. What do we have to look forward to? I mean, that's, that's the reality. And, and they're saying, hey, we, we heard all this great stuff that Moses did. Yeah, we, we know. We know all the great things that Abraham did and the promises that God made to him. We know what God said to Jacob. We, we know all of these things. And we know all these promises. We know all the things that God used to do. But we haven't seen God do anything like that lately because we've just been sitting here in this captivity. They're not anticipating anything new. They're not expecting. I I just want to remind you that he's the same God. He's the same God that we worship today as the same one that led the children of Israel out of Egypt of captivity, that crossed the Red Sea. It's the same God that Joshua would call on as they would take over 
the land of Israel and fight the battles. It's the same God. It's the exact same God that was, came walking across the water when Peter was going under and reached out and pulled him. It's the same one. And we have this tendency to think that, that it's not. But if we know that God of the Bible is the same God that is today, there's an anticipation that we can expect him to do good things. We can expect him to be God. We can expect him to be consistent because it is in his character. We can expect him to always surround us with his presence. You notice that it says, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Like God has done good things for us in the past. Just take just a moment, take, take 30 seconds and think about what God has done for you in the past. Because every one of us have something. We may not have put it together that that was God, but we all have something because of his goodness and his grace. He's brought us through some stuff. Anybody tracking with me on that? He's brought us through some things. And God says, I've done amazing things, but there's so much more that you hadn't even seen yet. It gets better and better. In other words, God's saying, I'm not finished. And he's not finished with you either. If you woke up this morning breathing, he's not finished. You have purpose and you have a mission. He has put you on a rescue mission to bring people to him. But oftentimes we allow what is happening around us to give us zero anticipation about what could be. Because we dwell in the moment. Did you know that God is always orchestrating in our lives behind the scenes? Behind the scenes. The behind the scenes people play a really big part. Because if you take some of the behind the scene things away, the on scene stuff doesn't look so good, does it? You ever pay attention to the background actors on TV? You probably never noticed all the people that are just randomly walking and having fake conversations and doing fake things in the background. Because their part is to be in the background. But they feel what is on, on scene. To, to, to pull it. Now, if you took all those people out of the background, you would begin to notice. Because it would seem like the shots that they were taking were, were really, really lame. Because God, God is doing something in the background of your life, whether you see it or not. He's always at work. See, Paul says that God directs the footsteps of man. He is orchestrating our journeys. He, he's working behind the scenes. He, he never quits doing that. He, he's always doing that. He always has our best intentions and his best intentions out in, in front of him. And God is always moving and, he, and he's working. And the prophet says, God has been doing all this stuff. You may not have seen it because of where you were in your situation, but you need to lift your eyes up and realize what he's doing because he's at work. And he says, God, God's doing all these, these things. You've been in captivity and you haven't seen it, but I'm telling you that he's been doing all these things and it's going to blow you away because while they're in captivity, what they didn't realize was God was raising up a nation. That would be faithful. That he was raising up people that the very people that Jesus would come from that lineage. God was at work. So God's doing all these things. And we have to see it and anticipate it. Anticipate and see it. He says this in, in Isaiah 43, 19. He says, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. 
I, I guess the question there is, we, he's already begun. Have we missed it? Have, have we missed what he is doing? Have, have we not seen or misstepped with what he's doing? So he asked this question. He says, see, I, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. Some of us just need that verse this morning. There's some dry places in your life. And there's some places you're just asking the fountain of God to please fill. Please nourish those things again. See, I believe that success in life is not how much things you can accumulate over time, how much wealth, how much popularity. The Bible gives us this completely different look at what success is because success is, is finding the will of God and doing the will of God. In other words, it is being obedient to the things that God has called us to do. Being obedient to those things. And that means to be successful, we have to find where God is at work and follow that and be a part of that, to be a part of that mission. And I know you're probably saying, you know, well, how do, how do you do that? How do I find God and know, know where God is moving. Well, the Bible tells us this, that he's like the wind, the spirit. The spirit of God is like the wind. He moves wherever he wants to. And we see the effects of the wind everywhere. And so the Bible gives us symbolism of, of the spirit to be wind. And, you know, we've been in some mornings where as the temperatures that begin to drop around here, we step out on the porch and there have been some of those evenings where you just get that fresh wind that just hits you and you just have to stand there for a moment. On those hot days, in the middle of the summer, you step out on the porch and you just feel that wind hit you and, and all of a sudden it just brings this refreshment over you. It just gives you this moment of peace just for a second that that feels good. Thank you, Lord. For that little bit of wind. And you know where it's coming from. The Bible says the spirit is the wind. We have to step out every day. And ask where the wind's blowing. Where's the spirit moving today? Feel the spirit. Find where the spirit is moving and then follow in that direction. Don't go against it, go with it. Being obedient. Finding the wind. Finding where we need, we need to move. See, God says, or Isaiah tells us, he says, Don't, do, do you see it? Do you see it? Can I just tell you that you, you, you can't see what you're not looking for. You can't see what you're not looking for. I have searched, um, I'll, I'll just tell them myself. So Christmas Eve, you guys all leave. I'm excited. I'm going home. Spend Christmas with family. I lock the door. I get in my car. I go to plug my phone up. Don't know where my phone is. Then I had this thought. Everybody's gone. And I'm pretty sure I put my phone in one of these boxes when we cleaned up. Yeah, that was my thing too. Um, Jesus, please help. And I was searching frantically for my phone. 
because find my iPhone didn't find my iPhone. It was zero help. And I'm in this, I'm in this moment of panicking. And I walked by my phone 15 times. I went to the office and I started searching, flipping tables and chairs because Jesus did. <laughs> and there it was the whole time, right in front of my face, sitting right on the printer that I had placed it on hours before when I went to print out some things for Christmas. It, it, was, it was right there, but our eyes were so fixated on everything else that I missed where it was. We, we get so caught up in life to where our eyes get fixated on everything else except what matters. That, that we miss, we miss what is in front of us. You, you, you can't see what you're not looking for. You got to ask, what are my eyes fixated on? Because some people say, I don't, I don't feel that God's moving. Well, I, I'm here to tell you that He is, but the problem is you're not feeling Him move. You're not seeing Him move because you're not looking for it. So you, you can't see what you're, what you're not looking for. God says to the Israelites, You have to see it. Trust me, you got to see this. Because I'm doing things that you haven't seen. You have no idea of the things that are happening. I'm working, I'm moving, I'm doing something. But God oftentimes gives us direction without destination. Anybody with me that that's absolute, that's the worst. I got some direction, God. I just need to know where to go. And he says, I'll tell you when you get there. Well, where's there? Yep. I'm not, I'm not calling you to go where I'm telling you. I'm just calling you to take the step to be obedient. And when you get there, I'll let you know when you're there. See, in the obedience, there's a faith of trusting that God is trying to move us to a destination. He says, I want you to start walking, and I want you to start going over there. And I'm like, God, I need the details. And God's like, you're not getting the details. I just need you to be faithful right now in this moment for this thing. And I will get you where you need to be. So you just start moving, and God takes care of the milestones. And when we get there, and we cross the first milestone, God gives us the next thing. Some of us are so worried about, what, what God, what do you want us to do? What do you want to do? And the reason God's not telling you what to do, because he's already told you what to do. You just haven't been faithful through the first thing that he's asked you to do. Well, God, I want this. I hear pastors talk about, I'm just, I've been asking God for this big ministry. Well, A, why do you need a big ministry? And B, you hadn't even been faithful. You got a set up and tear down church. I hadn't seen you move one chair. You got a security team. You don't even preach a gospel offensive enough to have a security team. Be faithful in what he's called you to do. Because there's, I'm telling you, there's something more for you. He, he's got a plan for you. He says, trust me, this is a faith journey. It's a destination. And it takes time. And, and every once in a while, we have to get off the highway and we, we get at a rest stop. There are rest stops along the way. But this is what we call walking by faith. Even when you can't see what's around you, you've got to trust that God is still there. and Keep your eyes fixated on him. So my question is, do you see it? Do you see it in your life? Do you see it for the life of our church? Do, do you see it? Because if you can't see it for yourself, we never see it for the church. So he says, do you see it? Here, here's the last piece of this. God says, you, 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 got, you got to forget about it. You got to anticipate it. You got to see it. You got to build it. He says this, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create. Listen to this, because I miss this, but in that time at that table with God that day, he showed me a very, very important piece of the grammar here. 
I will, I will make, I will create. I always read that as I'll create a river in the wasteland. But what does that say? Rivers. I don't, I don't know how good you are in English, but I, I did learn enough to know that's more than one. Because God knows that we need to be sustained and he will make rivers in the wasteland. So he says, I'll build it. You see, I, I've already begun. I, I will make a pathway, a place for you to walk on this journey. I will make that. And I will create river. We don't have to do any of that, by the way. It doesn't say we will create. It says I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. He says, I'll build it. I've already done it. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in dry wastelands. And I love this because God says, listen, when I'm moving and leading, I will build things in places that people do not think were possible. He says, I will put a river in the middle of a desert if that's what it takes. Because I can. Because he's God. He says, I'll put a highway that leads to the middle of nowhere. Because God is a builder and God builds things in unexpected places. That's where the new is. It's in the unexpected, in the unknown. And I love the idea that Isaiah brings here of saying, this is dry wasteland. In other words, what he's saying is this is a desert. I don't, I don't know how many of you have been in a desert. But a desert is a place where things go to die. It's arid. The, the, there's no vegetation there. there. There's no life there. At night, it gets really, really cold there. It's not comfortable there. It, it's the desert. And God is, is picking the hard place to do his greatest things. Your biggest challenges right now that you see as challenges, God can get in that situation. If you will say, God, do what you need to do. I'm going to be obedient in these things. And God will move into that, that hard place and do great things that will bring him glory. He says, I want people to think of Jesus when they think of our community, is what he's saying here. Because he goes on to tell them that I'm doing these things so that all Israel will honor me and all the world will honor me. He doesn't create these wastelands for us to be comfortable. He creates these, these wastelands and, and brings these rivers to nourish those things, to give us nourishment so that we can continue to move forward and glorify all that God is. To point people to him. God picks dry places to do fertile things. Amazing places. Rivers in the middle of a desert. When you, when you go to Israel and you get out in the middle of the desert, you don't even sometimes realize you're in a desert, and then they'll say, hey, this is a desert. We're like, it can't be because that's a big crop of whatever that is that you're growing over there. There's vegetation everywhere. Because God has given his blessing on the Israel to where even in the desert he's still growing things in the dry places that are fertile. I would say this. Let us do everything that we can to allow God to build a place here that helps people's lives be transformed. Let's, let's help build a road for people to, to get on that can be a river in the middle of their desert. Because he says in verse 21, I, I've made Israel for myself, and, and that someday they're going to honor me before the whole world, and, and that ought to be our prayer for our community. 
our prayer for our community should be that we, we would honor God in our world by what we, we say and what we do. God wants to do something fresh and new in your life. For some of you, you're allowing your past to hold you back from that. You've disqualified yourself. And if, you're, if you feel disqualified, you're in the right place. Because God calls a bunch of disqualified people. Anybody in here feel disqualified? He calls disqualified. He, he's the qualifier. The cross is the qualifier. And he has qualified us through his blood. He's just asked us to be obedient. For some of you, you're going to have to let go of some things to, to step into what is new. It's not easy. It's a challenge. Because it's surrender. And there's going to be a battle within to want to take control. But just letting God take control. And getting you out of the old. Because some of you are trying to go back to habits that you used to have because it was normal and it was routine. But can I just tell you that not all of your habits and your routine of what used to be is healthy for you. Maybe the reason that God allowed those things to die and killed those things off is so that you would have to get into a new healthy routine. I mean, one of the things that we did as a church when we, we shut down uh, meeting physically together during COVID was we spent all this time, like, if we could just get back to where we were, if we could just get back to where we were. And, and, and I was talking to, to a friend of mine about it. I was like, it's just frustrating. We just can't get back to where we were. He said, what if God's trying to get you not back where you were, but take you somewhere else? I was like, I, I love you, but at the same time, I hate you for saying that. But it was true. That God, the gospel at its purity is a disruption of our lives. It's a disruption of our lives. It, the gospel should completely annihilate everything that is self within us so that Jesus can shine bright through us. That's what he's calling us to. I don't know what your new is, but God has new for you. Jump into the vast unknown. In that moment of those half-day prayer of around that table, God's given me these words. And as I'm sitting there processing it, I realized that he had done something new for me. And what that means is for, for some of you, you just need to get along with God without a watch, without a phone, without any kind of electrical device and not set any time limits and just sit there and, and just ask God and, and do it this way list the first five things that are stressing you out right now and then put them in order and ask the Lord help me with this and just listen and see where it takes you because I can promise you when I got up from the table there were dry places that had been watered because before I sat down at that table I was ready to quit I was done but I got up from that table refreshed with rivers flowing. And I want for you what God has given me and what he's given so many other people in this room is that your dry would become rivers flowing because where there is water, there is life. And where there is life, there is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much this morning. I pray as we start off this new year 
that the most important thing that we can do, God, is just to get away with you, hear from you, spend time with you. We would seek you. And your word tells us, God, you give us the promise that if we seek you, we will find you. So I pray even in these moments, as as we get ready to sing, that, God, we would just cry out to you and, and ask for you to make yourself known to us. We would repent of our sins and worship you for who you are. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these moments that we can have with you. And we pray these things in the name.